and welcome to the Better Politics. I'm Scott Stearns. <coughs> this is Paul. Hey, can you, uh, can you can you step outside if you're going to do that? I, you know, we're trying to do a show here. Oh, do we have to do another take? <laughs> yeah. Can we do another take? Can we do it oh, different, really? differently? Yeah, well, what if I was your chief of staff? What would you say? Uh, same thing. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, glad I'm not. I'm pretty sure uh, when George Stephanopoulos was interviewing Donald Trump, I think that was a sign or a signal that Mick Mulvaney was trying to send to Trump, like, don't talk about your taxes. <laughs> there you go. There you, that might have been what it was. I think honestly. it probably was. I think it was. So, so we're talking about the infamous, uh, the cough heard around the world. Yeah, during the ABC interview. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, President Trump got upset with his uh, deputy, Mick Mulvaney, who's probably done more for Trump than almost anybody he's had. How many roles has he had in this White House? It seems uh, like he's just bouncing around through different departments. He also... <laughs> Like establishes a veneer of credibility. Yeah, and it's pretty good. I mean, he he's very good on an interview. Mm. Kellyanne Conway was always good for a mind fuck. Yeah, and I mean, you know, she'd be like, she'll try and like turn shit into gold, and she does a pretty good job of it, honestly, by saying, "Well, the average voter doesn't care about that and all that," and she's pretty good at it, but it's kind of rote memory you know some of the lines and it it gets old and there's obviously then there's her husband who looks kind of like wayne newton honestly always kind of questioning it and, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of interesting to see what's going on in the conway household You're talking about george oh yeah george yeah. who who's a total neocon by the way who just hates trump Yes. Which has always led me to wonder if there's some sort of palace intrigue. Like there's that, or it could just be a situation where they're just that kind of political household. Except they're totally aligned ideologically. Ideologically, George Conway is as bad as Kellyanne is. Yeah, on the issues, yes. Right, which made me always think of some sort of palace intrigue coup, like to try to get Pence in as president or something. Mm. But obviously with the Mueller exoneration... Yeah. Complete exoneration. No, no collusion, collusion. No obstruction. No obstruction. <laughs> which is no truth to it. So, But Trump is a media guy and he knows that what is on TV plays a mm-hmm. lot more than what's in the written word. He sure does. He sure does. Yeah. So Trump kind of freaked out. Stephanopoulos called him out a little bit on it and said, well, that is your chief of staff. Well, um, despite his coughing, he's not going anywhere. Unlike uh, Sarah Sanders, who announced that she will be leaving this uh, White House. I she did that, that a year ago, though, too. And, at the end of the month. But, uh, yeah, so she's on her way out, so we'll have a new spokesperson. Uh, I, I imagine Kellyanne will probably slot into that spot. She'll probably be doing the press conferences, the few and far between uh, press conferences <laughs> that, that, that we get out of this White House. So we have the debates coming up next week, Democratic debates. Right. Uh, they announced the players, and Elizabeth Warren is going to be on the first night, and then the second night is where kind of what you would consider more of the headliners, your, your Biden, your Sanders, Harris, Buttigieg. I think those guys are all huh. going on the second night. So, I wonder how they picked them. Was it just out of a hat? or I, I don't know the methodology, but... For whatever reason, that's how it worked out. So not having uh, Warren and Biden match up on the first night is probably going to work out in her favor. Mm-hmm. Well, she had maybe had a plan for that. Yeah. That's her phrase. I have a plan for that. <laughs> 
So I'll just go over what the nights look like. So night one, mm-hmm. which is June 26th next week, night one features Bill de Blasio, Tim Ryan, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, and John Delaney. Mm-hmm. Night two is Marianne Williamson, John Hinkenlooper, Andrew Yang, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, Michael Bennett, and Eric Swalwell. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah my night two sounds a little more impressive. It, it definitely is, but I would, uh, yeah, if, I, if I'm Cory Booker on that first night, and Elizabeth Warren is really the the headliner, yeah, to try to make your name. No, it's it's kind of a good thing for them. You know, like as we say, well, maybe they're trying to get a brokered convention. <laughs> Everybody keeps talking about that. I still discount it. I really think Super Tuesday is so powerful well, just, that it's going to have a real effect on things. I still think that a lot of these candidates are going to bow out before the primaries even start, just because you've the money that. the money is going to dry up. You've got that. And I then think you're going to have. I look, about, like, I look at like a Kirsten Gillibrand, and I mean that campaign just doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. And you're going to have at most ten, probably more, like five or really three credible people lasting until Super Tuesday. Yeah, and uh, which is like a month in. It's still almost a month before Wisconsin votes. I think Super Tuesday is going to be one of the big things that sorts it out. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of uh, history to be written, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, so do you have any uh, have any poll numbers we want to go over? Um, well, uh, Biden continues to lead the Democratic field, and uh, Warren. Those are all fake polls, Paul. Like, uh, I mean, apparently, right. according according to the Trump campaign, which announced in Orlando today. Biden's winning by a good deal. Nope. According to the Trump campaign, they're going to win three additional states versus what they did last time. These are fake polls that were leaked, and and three people were fired, I believe, from the um, polling end of things for the campaign. Ruthlessness or lawlessness? (laughs) Or take your pick. The scary thing that it says to me is that Willie tried to deny defeat, assuming we can defeat him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the polls are fairly promising for the Democrats. One thing that I noted was that Biden was the only one ahead by 10 points or more. However, I did look at the internal numbers in the Quinnipiac poll. Okay. Uh, the most recent, which is the most recent big one to come out. Yes. Among people who say they are paying a great deal of attention to the race, mm-hmm. the other candidates, Warren and Sanders in particular, do just as well as Biden. Okay. And then Buttigieg as well, maybe even Booker. They all do about as well as Biden. Interesting. Um, when you go to people paying only some like more casual attention, Biden actually is by far the best. Yeah. And the people paying more casual attention are that makes much sense. more lukewarm on the others. But that would show that those people have a lot of room for growth. And then when you go to people not paying much attention, that actually favors Sanders the most. Again, or people name, who name say they're not though. paying much attention. Yeah. yeah, That's interesting, too, because those are probably the most disaffected voters. Yeah. So Sanders and Warren, I think, were the biggest beneficiaries of those. Those might be the difference makers. Yeah. If you turn those people out, the people who say they're not paying that much attention, mm-hmm. but they are attracted more, though, still to Warren and Sanders. Mm-hmm. So that that makes the case for them. Yeah. And I, I'd like to get, um, you know, look again at the numbers before I quote too much more on that. But I just sure. thought it was interesting that it, 
like there's a perception that Biden is by far the most competitive candidate, but not necessarily when you start to factor in interest into the election. There is a downside. There's a bad thing about these Quinnipiac polls, though, too, okay. is that um, it's the Republican voters are paying far closer attention and appear far more motivated than either Democrats or independents. Mm. The only hope here is that they're taking a good enough sample size of Republicans now that they're getting, capturing basically all of the formerly independents, which were actually conservatives who didn't want to say they were Republicans until they got inspired by Trump. But if it's a sign of enthusiasm, we may be in for a bit of, a little bit more trouble electorally than we thought. We have to operate under the idea that next year, despite these poll numbers, which, you know, look optimistic, we have to operate under the idea that it's not going to be that much of a gap come right. election day next year. We have to think about and I if think this that, comes down to a few states. We have to look at Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Right. Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin, funny enough, is... And at least in media circles, is now considered like the new Ohio. Like it used to be, like so goes Ohio, so goes the nation. There's a lot of attention being paid to Wisconsin, so it's a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, speaking as Wisconsinites, mm-hmm. and obviously the DNC is here next year, and and that playing out smoothly. It's interesting, kind of being at the center of the universe politically, but it, there's also a lot of stress. I think that goes along with that because we want to make sure things swing the right way in this state mm-hmm. both in terms of the convention and in terms of what yeah. happens on election day i think it's fair to say that if we can't win wisconsin pretty convincingly yeah that's not a good sign oh we're looking at four more years of trump yeah you know republicans used to say this cynically because they would always accuse us of vote fraud but in this day and age i think you actually are going to need to win wisconsin by more than uh more than evers numbers Winning 50% plus one, so to speak, won't be good enough because they'll challenge it and they'll hold it up. Yeah. Like winning it barely will, will allow them to cast suspicion over it. We're going to have to win it substantially in order to assure ourselves. Well, that, and, and I also think that if you can't win Wisconsin substantially, it's not very likely that you're going to be winning Michigan or Pennsylvania substantially either. And right. unless, could, unless could you, well, you have a big groundswell in the South, which doesn't look like there's not that many indications saying that's going to happen. But could you but could you envision a scenario where the Democrats take Pennsylvania, Michigan, lose Wisconsin, then, but then maybe pick up like an Arizona? No. Maybe pick not, up maybe not, maybe not pick really. up a Florida. No. You think if they if Wisconsin no. goes the wrong way, then like yeah. Florida's well, Florida the convention lost, meeting here, I think it does help a little bit here. Yeah. I actually think that it's pretty hard to imagine a scenario where we win Pennsylvania and Michigan without winning Wisconsin. You think it's the... I think if we lose Wisconsin, we're probably losing at least one of those other two, too. Yeah. And and I can't imagine... Given the vote differential last time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, maybe there's a route. Maybe Arizona really comes out and Florida does, too, and Mm -hmm. then that makes it a moot point, but... All of our recent experience, the only one where I really have any hope is Arizona. The what about North, one, North, North Carolina? Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Just, yeah, that would be the one I would uh, That would be the one to watch. Say. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you've got a southern route to the White House, so it's Florida, Georgia, 
North Carolina and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Almost in reverse order of likelihood uh, <laughs> yeah. there. Well, I, I actually, Georgia's probably the least likely. Uh, yes. Then yep. maybe and Florida, then Florida. North Carolina, then Arizona. Yep, yep. And then on the, you got the northern route, which is... Um, Maine, the, New Hampshire. Those I was taking as a given. So well, they're, they're the, no, Trump, the Trump campaign is saying they're going to take those. I mean, and Nevada. They're looking at Nevada, too. Um, yeah, if we can't hold Colorado and Nevada, then we're... Yeah, they were, they were kind of fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. I mean, that's pretty much the front line. Yep. I guess you could maybe lose one of those states and then make it, up elsewhere. make it up elsewhere far away because different dynamics are... But, it's but just, I don't think that's very likely, honestly. Well, just because of how statistics works, right? And you look at, you look at the demographics of this state and how it's similar to those other places oh. that we've named... And you figure if, if you also pe- look at if, recent if, trends, if people like, if people in certain social classes and and income levels and right. if they're going to vote this way here, they're going to vote that way elsewhere. Well, for whatever reason, the recent trends are not promising in Florida. Yeah, uh, just like they haven't been promising in Ohio. A either. lot of there may be they're not quite as bad because they tend to be very close, but they tend yep. to be losing most close races in yep. Florida. I suspect what it is is that as diversified as the population appears to be, they still are attracting an inordinate number of snowbirds from states like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania mm-hmm. to live down there, and they tend to be the most conservative people, Yeah, which is probably what's keeping Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania in the game in the first place. Sure. So we're losing population now. <laughs> Well, we're to, losing to the right wingers down to, yeah. well, to, in particular, to, to, to Phoenix and, and, right. and Orlando and Miami. <laughs> I mean, Arizona, the Martha McSally race would probably point in just the direction of the Southwest would point me to thinking that that is the most promising red to blue flip sure. out there. I would say North Carolina, just because I think it's more permanently trending diverse, mm-hmm. like with permanent residents, not just retirees or not just. Uh, very recent immigrants. Well, it, it does have some reason, well, but I mean, it's it's less in flux, I guess. In Flo- Florida seems to be constantly in flux. Yeah, there's a wave of this group, there's a wave of that group. You know, there's a lot of immigrants, but some of them are still Cubans who are. Well, I think you look at the. I think you look so at the type of economy forth. that North Carolina has. You know, it's it's a heavy financial sector. It's, right. it's, it's, it's a little it's, like Virginia, yeah. which, which tends to push it a little bit more toward. Uh, the center, mm-hmm. uh, almost blue, right? And so, so that that would be the second one I would look at. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be Arizona and North Carolina. Beyond that, I'm not too optimistic with Florida. Well, thank so. goodness that the uh, the House is Democratic because I mean, think about the kinds of things that they want to do and the kinds of laws that would have been passed this past year going into next year. Right. I mean, they would have, especially if uh, the writing's on the wall that Trump would lose the presidency, they would be ramming through all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. And, and potentially looking at ways to neuter the White House, just like they neutered uh, Tony Evers when he came into the governorship. Well, they may still do that, even. Well, they, won't be, able to, they won't be able to do that without, uh, without a Republican House. What are the scenarios where you think Trump tries to deny defeat? This is something that has been talked about, and the whole idea that if, uh, if Trump loses, like, does he go? Or does he put up a fight? And that, obviously that, that comes down to the differential. If it's an election like at 2000 where it's close, and you could fight it in the courts. Obviously, he's going to do everything in his power. But if it's pretty convincing win, and not really even Yeah, what close, if it's like 2012 was, say, for Romney? 
I don't think he has a leg to stand on then. Like, that, it wasn't that, exactly a landslide, but it was fairly convincing. Do you think he fights it then in that scenario? Because I don't know what I don't know. Well, how like he, Carrie I don't Bush, know how he does. Carrie Bush on the going the other way. Well, Ron he fought it for a, but Carrie he yeah. fought it for a night, and then he conceded the next day. Right, it was obvious. Right? Yeah, I don't know how you fight that at at that point. If you try to drag it out with that loss, if you're mm-hmm. Trump, I mean, that may be the closest we ever come to a military coup in this country. If he literally will not give up power. Because the courts can rule a certain way, and he could just deny or or not observe the court's ruling well, the because because he, he, he runs the executive branch, so he's in charge of right. executing the laws and decisions based on court rulings and what the legislature does. You may reach a point where the military has to get involved. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty scary. It's, it's scary stuff. It's yeah. scary stuff. But hopefully, it doesn't come to that. We that, and that's why it's critical that we. Win convincingly in states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, maybe North Carolina, maybe Arizona. Because obviously the thing I wanted to point out too tonight was, it's just, I mean, like newsflash, but it's a culture of lawlessness in the White House. This is what has been put into place. It almost makes me think maybe we should just do impeachment just to show that we will enforce the laws. I don't know that there's enough bandwidth. Yeah, pull, to pull I, know, I, I understand, but if we don't do it, do we then encourage him to grandstand around the results of a losing election? I think I think you probably continue to put the focus on subpoenas and trying to get the information. And if they are stonewalling you, you make that a political issue in the campaign. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, you know, Brewers lost again. Brewers <laughs> lost. Yeah. yeah not exactly news. The, so. the, the Offense is anemic. Mustakas mm-hmm. got hit on the hand today, so he's going to be uh, out with a contusion probably day to day. It looks like so probably Travis. Meanwhile, Shaw, we want Keston Hero up. I, well, I think I, I yeah, think you've got so many pieces of the lineup that can't hit two hundred. I, uh, right? I, I think Hero is going to be on a plane fairly quick yeah, yeah. in the next few days, and uh, we'll see what happens with Shaw at third base. Maybe they send him down, or maybe they maybe they try sending Aguilar down, but. He, they would have to put Aguilar on waivers if they sent him down, and so Sean and Aguilar he, look completely lost at the plate. Yeah, right now. I mean, they, just, Aguilar, they, they cannot be uh, regular players on that. Aguilar team. will get snapped up by somebody, given that he was an All Star last year. Some some team's going to take yeah. a chance on him. He would be gone if they would try to send him to the minors. But you know, maybe that's uh, maybe that's for the best. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, sad to think that way. It is, it yeah. is. Right now, the Brewers, I believe, have two starters hitting under 200. And in the last month, frankly, Arcia, Kane, and Braun haven't been much better. No. So there you go. Yeah. That's your problem. All, All right. right. More to come. Yep. Forward. Forward. Forward.